Welcome back to Kentucky History and Haunts. I'm your host, Jesse Bartholomew, and I'm sorry that I've been gone for a little bit. Uh, Work has been crazy, and then my mom got married up in New York, came back. A few days later, I had to move. I didn't have to move. I got to move into a new house. Uh, It's got a great backyard for the dogs so they can run around and get into trouble and So everything is good. We're getting settled in into a routine, and I'm ready to hop back into the podcast. I found my microphone. So um, I wanted to thank Molly from California for that sweet review on Apple Podcasts. Welcome to Kentucky, Molly. We're glad to have you. And finally, I wanted to mention, uh, you know, the cool thing about this podcast is that I've made a lot of connections and met a lot of very nice people. And I end up just emailing back and forth with a lot of people who are so supportive and kind and they're interested in Kentucky history just like I am. And uh, one of these people, I started talking, we started talking back and forth. She's nice as she can be. And she just lost her brother unexpectedly. So Kelly, again, I'm so sorry for your loss and we're thinking about you. Now for today's show, I want to do something a little different from the usual stuff, but I think you all will appreciate this. I want to talk about Appalachian folk medicine. So I got this great book called Folk Medicine in Southern Appalachia by Anthony Cavender. Okay, so yeah, not exactly specific to Kentucky, but You know, some of it certainly comes from Kentucky, and it's just a lot of fun to learn about. So I'm going to give a little backstory on this folk medicine, I guess, and then we'll dive into some actual remedies. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When we talk about this Appalachian folk medicine, we're looking at two domains, as the author of this book puts it. Uh, It's the naturalistic domain and the magico-religious domain. The naturalistic domain goes all the way back to the ancient Greeks, and if you listen to the Sawbones podcast, you know all about the four humors, blood, phlegm, black bile, and yellow bile. Lovely stuff. So fluctuations in any of this in your body was believed to cause illness. It was all about the four humors. And so we had that. And then we also had, a little bit later, I think, the theory of miasma, which is the thought that decaying organic matter enters our body through the air and makes us sick. And so to fight that, we used something called heroic therapy, which in hindsight was not very heroic. It included things like bloodletting, purging, sweating, blistering, puking, and cupping. Um, So yeah, we thought, you know, we've got these four humors and then we've got this bad air that's making us all sick. And then uh, Dr. Benjamin Rush entered the scene and he was like, you know what, guys, this bloodletting business, this is really important. We should just let everyone nearly bleed out when they're sick. I mean, that'll do it. Bring in the leeches. A lot of the things that they would use congruently with these treatments were toxic. Things like strychnine, arsenic, calomel. Uh, We used a lot of turpentine. 
And then after you were treated, quotes around treated, they'd finish you off with some opium, which would leave a lot of people addicted. So it was just kind of a mess, right? Um, Eventually, there's some good news. We figure out germ theory. Um, Unfortunately, it started in Europe and it didn't really catch on in the U.S. for a while. We weren't weren't buying germ theory. Hand-washing? Give me a break. (laughs) So a lot of these older and, frankly, inaccurate theories ended up sticking in Appalachian folk medicine, especially stuff related to blood. Uh, belief in fluctuations in the volume of blood, changes in viscosity of blood, accumulation of waste matter in blood, and blood sugar. Which, I mean, yes, this stuff is important, but we didn't understand how. They were guessing and assuming that the best answer for everything was basically less blood. Let's just drain them. We'll get all the bad stuff out. Um... They also thought it was super important to keep the bowels clean, okay? Uh, There's a quote from a physician in 1854 that said, Proprietary medicine companies, quote, appear to be opening men's purses by opening their bowels. This is interesting. It's, uh, It's been observed that every country tends to have some organ that they consider of more importance than all the others. You know, they just, they tend to focus more on on one particular organ. So, like, for example, in France, it's the liver. In Germany, it's the heart. Uh, Apparently, in the good old U.S. of A., it's the bowels. So, um, beyond that, hot and cold were also an important part of the naturalistic domain. Southern Appalachians still believe that the changing of the seasons or temperatures or climates can bring about all sorts of illness. Um, Even walking barefoot on a cold floor, they say, you know, don't do that. So yeah, that's that's all part of this naturalistic domain. And next we're going to talk about the magico-religious domain. Next, we're going to talk about this magico-religious domain. Okay, so naturalistic was just sort of, you know, like our intuition about what we thought about nature and the human body and what we kind of thought made sense with with the science and and facts that we knew at the time. The magico-religious element kind of departs from that. Um, It's a lot of, it's a lot more like symbolism and um, like it says, religion and things like that. There's this concept of sympathetic magic that like affects like. Um, So things like you can cut the pain of a woman giving birth by putting a knife under her bed, right? So doing this one symbolic thing will help with this other real thing. There was also the practice of passing, mostly used for children's issues. Um, So like colic, for example, you would physically pass the child from mom to dad multiple times um, and then maybe pass it under a horse, around a leg of a table, a few other weird things. And the idea is that the child would pass from a state of sickness to a state of wellness. That one's a little bizarre even for me. Now, another uh, magical element is the number three which appears a lot in Southern Appalachian medicine. You need to do 
something three times or they need three doses of something. You see that a lot. Um, and then there are the transfers. So there was a, a belief that an illness could be transferred. The example that uh, Cavender uses in his book is if you had warts, you would put a stone representing every wart that you had in a bag and you would set that bag down on the side of a road and a curious person would walk by eventually, pick up the bag, open it to see what was inside. When that happened, the idea is that your warts would go away and that poor innocent person would develop the warts. You transfer them to this new person. Uh, there's also the matter of celestial magic. Some cures had to be done during certain moon phases or when the sun was in a certain position in the sky. Um, they sometimes related herbs to uh, zodiac signs. And then finally, there's the religious element. Now, there's actually a surprising blend of religious denominations in Southern Appalachia. I mean, pretty much all forms of Christianity, but lots of, like, obscure variations, I guess I would say. Um, I've mentioned before, I'm not religious, so I, I'm a little out of my element when I talk about it, but just for the sake of this episode, they were definitely interpreting things on their own, which kind of led to some out-there medical practices. Um, but yeah, this is where things like faith healing come into play. Uh, you've probably seen in movies where a religious figure just rests their hands on a person and they're cured. Stuff like that. Uh, this is also where you get the idea that if you obey the laws of God, you stay healthy. But if you start doing bad stuff, you get punished by God via sickness. There's, a, there's one more element we should talk about before we get into specific remedies, um, and that's the influence of Native American medicine. One of their primary beliefs was that illness was caused by a host of spirits, and then other spirits could cure illnesses. And so you see some of that come through in these Appalachian folk medicine practices as well. They also put a lot of emphasis on dreams. Um, they thought dreams had to do, had a lot to do with uh, people getting sick. Um, so yeah, th those were just some of the elements of how all of this came to be. That's not it, you know, certainly there's more, but this could end up being a very, very long episode. So I think you get the gist. And um, now we've talked of, about some of these, I want to get into some of the actual folk medicine. So here we go. Anthony Cavender, the author of the book I keep mentioning, he breaks it down really nicely, sort of by body system. So I'm going to mimic him, and we'll start with the respiratory system. And it's sort of going to be like rapid fire. I'm not going to give you every topic in the book. You should definitely buy the book. I'll put it in the show notes. I'm just going to pick out my favorites, okay? So we're talking respiratory system. Let's start with asthma. Now, you know, we live in Kentucky, um, not a great area for people sensitive to, you know, like the allergens and stuff. If you are um, someone who's got bad allergies, boy, 
it's tough for you in the summer here. It's, it's no good. Um, I don't know. Maybe after a while you just get used to it. Um, but you know what you can do to cure that asthma or that pesky um, allergy? You just need to smoke more. Uh, preferably the leaves of jimson weed. Uh, but rabbit tobacco will also do. So let's break this down. We now know that jimson weed is a hallucinogen, an intoxicant, and it's poisonous when ingested. Um, but it's also an invasive species, and the stuff was all over the place. So at the time, people were just like, you know, we might as well make this stuff useful. We've got it all over the place, so let's just smoke it. Uh, so you could roll it up into a cigarette, or you could crush up the leaves, put them into a heated pan, and then the people with asthma can just inhale that stuff. Now, if you didn't want to do that, that's fine. You could also sleep on a pillow stuffed with rabbit tobacco or pine needles. Although that sounds like a lot of work, doesn't it? Collecting all those pine needles and putting them in a pillow. So if you didn't want to do that either, you could ingest a ball of spider webs. Twyla just shook her ears, so I'm going to say that again. You could ingest a ball of spider webs or three live minnows. <laughs> that should do the trick. Three live minnows. Adios, asthma. Next up, we have the common cold. You know, everybody's had a cold in their life. Um, tea was, and obviously still is, something that people like to drink when they have a cold. Um, but what you really need for a cold are some onions. You can eat onions raw, you can roast them and drink the juice, or you can throw some onions in a glass of milk. How gross is that? Milk and onions. Blech. Now, the thing I can 100% get behind here is the hot toddy, which we still use today when we're not feeling well. Uh, whiskey was the usual ingredient of choice with honey, lemon, and or rock candy. Another thing that's always nice when you have a cold is chicken soup. But back then, there were not a whole lot of spare chickens that they could just throw in a soup. And so they ate a lot of squirrel broth or stew. And if you didn't want that, you could try a tea made with hog hooves. I was really hoping that hog hoof was some obscure plant, but no, they mean an actual hog hoof. Um, the instructions are to cut it off, dry it, boil it, and drink the water. This feels like the making of a fear factor challenge or something. It's just, oh, that's so gross. Uh, luckily, Vicks was invented in the early 1900s and sort of uh, took the place of some of these kookier remedies. Now, <laughs> if you got influenza, you were in trouble. You could start with some herbal teas, but that probably wouldn't do much. So then you would have to rub some onion juice on the soles of your feet. So get that onion juice on your feet. And then you know what you need to do after that is you need to put some warm bricks in your bed. That's warm bricks in your bed, you know, for a good night's sleep. And then you need to blister your chest and back with mustard seed plasters. <laughs> and, then, and then you need to just shoot some cayenne tea 
and then just cover yourself in piles of blankets. Sounds really comfortable, doesn't it, when you're not feeling well? And in case that's not enough, make sure you throw some extra onion on the wall and on the floor of your room because you know, onion absorbs a fever. Now one more thing, one more treatment for influenza before we move on here. This comes out of Eastern Tennessee. If you have influenza, you might need a piece of yarn saturated with something called maid's water. What the heck is maid's water, you may be asking. It's the urine of a virgin, okay? So they would have a virgin pee on some yarn, and then that yarn would need to be tied around the waist of a sick person. (laughs) I I don't even know how you come up with this. I'm just going to let that one sit with you for a moment. Um, There were also preventative measures a community could take to stop an influenza outbreak in their area. You would start with everybody throwing some sulfur in their shoes, okay? So you'd just have everybody walking around with sulfur in their shoes. Obviously, everyone would need to eat a lot of onions. You'd also need to eat a spoonful of brown sugar with a drop of hearty turpentine each morning. And then for kids, you would need to drop some castor oil and turpentine on their head every day. Oh, and a pan of turpentine under your bed wouldn't hurt either. Now, with the aforementioned ailments, you know what you might get? You might get a sore throat, an itchy, achy throat. And here's what you need to do for that. You need to get some sulfur and then use a reed or a goose quill to have it blown or quilled into the back of your throat. Okay, so just a straight shot of sulfur to the throat. You might also need to wrap a piece of red flannel soaked in turpentine around your neck. And the color red is a recurring theme here. We'll see that a lot. You could also rub some turpentine and lard directly on your throat and then open your mouth really wide and just Sit outside and let the sun beat down onto your turpentine-covered throat. And then if that doesn't work, you might need to wrap a dirty sock around your neck. And for the record, clean socks will not do. It must be a dirty sock. (laughs) All right, we're going to move on to something that I know you're all dying to hear about, which is Remedies for ailments of the gastrointestinal and excretory systems. So here we go. Now, at first, constipation was treated with a plant introduced by Native Americans, the May apple. Uh, this was okay, except, well, May apple is actually a gastrointestinal irritant. Yes, it can induce bowel movements, but it also produces potentially harmful irritation. So we had to kind of abandon the May apple after a while, and so they came up with some replacements. Uh, you could drink a spoonful of castor oil, which I know that doesn't sound like a big deal, but I actually use castor oil on my scalp sometimes to make my hair healthy, and it's a pretty slimy, oily substance. I just can't imagine it going down my throat. I think it would be awful. 
So you could do the castor oil, but I would maybe try to avoid that. And so your alternative would be to rub that castor oil in your armpits, on your butt, on your back and stomach, and then it'll just be absorbed through the skin. That's how that works, right? (laughs) Um, I was going to talk about all the remedies for hemorrhoids listed in this book, but I just don't think I'll be able to get through it. So you know what? Go buy the book for that one. Um, But I will tell you about some indigestion cures. Um, Indigestion. It was a pretty common thing in the area at the time. Uh, One, because they ate a lot of things fried in pork fat. And two, because they didn't have very good dental hygiene. A lot of people lost teeth at fairly young ages. And so they'd end up having to gum their food instead of properly chewing which is tough on the digestive system. So here's what they would have to do. Um, Calamus and golden seal root were good to mix in tea or chew raw. That might help. Uh, Maybe some peppermint or catnip tea. Sounds okay so far, yeah? Next, you need to soak a chicken gizzard in water or dry it. And then you need to pulverize it, mix it in water, and then consume whatever is left after you do all that. Um, If none of that works, you could try eating a piece of coal, which from my understanding was actually a pretty common thing that they did. Um, (laughs) So there are your indigestion cures, but what about worms? We also need to talk about worms. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Worms were a big deal, Uh, such a big deal, such a common problem that children were just wormed by their parents pretty much every summer, just like standard operating procedure, whether they needed it or not. And there was one protocol in particular that called for a good amount of turpentine. We got turpentine happy. Uh, Quote, one drop the first night, two drops the second night, and so on as to the age of the child. When turpentine regimen is completed, boil a tablespoon of castor oil and add three drops of turpentine and give to child. Be sure not to fail to rub the navel with turpentine each night, especially after giving the castor oil. (laughs) Sounds so awful. Um, So there you have it. Ailments of the gastrointestinal and excretory systems and of the respiratory system. And it's come to my attention that this could be a very long episode, so I've decided to split it up into two, maybe three, making this the end of part one. I feel like I need to put a disclaimer in here. Um, If it seems at any point like I'm making fun of Appalachian people for these remedies, please understand that I'm laughing with them, okay? I'm a Kentuckian born and bred. My ancestors are buried in dinosaur world. I say rabbit, rabbit, rabbit at the beginning of each month for good luck. Uh, I say it to get the smoke from a bonfire to change its direction. 
my family eats certain foods on New Year's Day. I mean, we abide by all sorts of strange rituals and superstitions that are no different than what we're talking about here. Um, that's kind of a part of who we are, and I think it's great. I'm proud of it. Um, so just for the record, I'm laughing with them. Uh, but once again, thank you all for listening. This book is Folk Medicine in Southern Appalachia by Anthony Cavender. If you have a minute, please head to Apple Podcasts and leave a quick review. And be sure to follow the show on Instagram, at KYHistoryHaunts. I'm going to start posting more old photos of Louisville and other parts of Kentucky. You all seem to really enjoy those. And it's so fun for me to see the comments of, like, my family owned this business, and my relatives are from here and worked here and built this. And it's really neat to see those roots. So um, keep interacting with me on there. I really enjoy it. And um, I think that's all I've got. So... Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.